Hello and welcome back to the Native and the Transplant. I'm your native, Alex Johnson. And I'm your transplant, Jen Bryant. Jen, how are you? Um, I'm okay. I'm yeah. okay. How are you? You know, I uh, just got back from a uh, little vacation and, and uh, uh, a wedding and that sort of stuff. So just diving right into this week now. And uh, man, do we have some news. It has been a doozy <laughs> of a week, hasn't it? Yeah. It's, a, it's a fun one. But before we dive into it, we definitely want uh, to thank our sponsor. And sponsor this week is Aslan Home Lending. Actually, the company I work for. Yeah, it's a great so, company. Aslan Home Lending, and my NMLS number is 1368147. If you are in the market and you're looking to buy either your first home or your dream home, or you want to be able to remodel that kitchen or just even take some cash out, and you know, cash out refinance or just looking to lower the rate. Rates are still fantastic right now. And definitely give me a call at 970-685-0183. Again, 970-685-0183. All right. All right. So <laughs> this podcast is a little bit different because we were supposed to have a guest on and our guest canceled four hours before recording. Yeah, a little disappointed. Um, <laughs> was really, really hoping to get some uh you know, just some thoughts and feelings from some of our left-sided listeners. Yeah. And I, I think the state of politics has been kind of messy lately, and I, I was really looking forward to that. So. Yeah, that's the that's the frustration that I've had. Um, again, we try to be in the middle. I'm registered independent. I think you're, as I'm, I, I'm you're registered as well. independent. Yeah. We like to have the conversation on whether you're on the right, whether you're on the left. But the frustration that I've had is we've had a lot of people on the right that are willing to come on, willing to share their stories, at, let us ask them questions. Mm -hmm. We had Overcash. We had Ron Weinberg on. Um, I do give props to Andrea Sampson. You yeah. know, she's one that definitely causes some controversy controversy at council in Loveland because she's very much on the left. But I was grateful that she was willing to come on the podcast, and we were able to have a good conversation. And now the frustrating part is we've asked a lot of people that are on the left and the extreme left to, hey, come on. We want to have a, t a conversation. We want to be able to talk through some of these yeah. ideas. Um, we've had some, some people that we've reached out to that are very vocal on some of the local, um, yes. local Facebook groups, <clears throat> local political groups. And every time we get close to having them on, they cancel. Well, it is very frustrating because I think a lot of people in our viewership would like to hear from both sides, and that's the entire intention of this podcast. Um, and, you know, I, I, it's just – it is frustrating because our intention is not to just strictly represent the right because I would say, at least from my perspective, I'm not right at all. I, I mean, there are some things I'm a little conservative on, but a lot of the times I fall into really – we've talked about it before, right? Yeah. Kind of in the middle. Um, yeah. And it's a topic-by-topic topic issue. And this is the frustration that I have, is this isn't just happening local. This is happening nationwide. Everywhere. Where at the moment that you have try to have a conversation and say, hey, I don't agree with you, but I want to sit down and talk with you about it and understand where you're coming from. When <laughs> my friends think I'm psychotic sometimes um, with the fact that I love talking about politics and religion, two things that you aren't supposed to talk about. <laughs> yeah, those are, that's, those are not on the list. But the reason why I do is because it gets to the core of a person. It does. What your views are on politics and religion is your life, what your, your life experience, where you grew up, 
Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that my eldest sister and I grew up in the same household with the same parents, and we have very different political viewpoints. Imagine your neighbor across the road. Imagine, you know, somebody on the other side of town. Imagine somebody who moved here from a different country. Mm-hmm. We all have these different viewpoints. And being able to talk to somebody about politics and about religion, you're getting to the core of that person. And you really are able to start engaging and understanding where did this person grow up? Yeah. What did this person go through? And you're able to actually see that. And the frustrating part that I have right now is the fact that more so on the left than on the right, I'm seeing constantly where I sit down and try to have that conversation. And in the moment that I disagree or the moment that I say, hey, have you looked at it from this different perspective? Then I'm told that I'm mansplating. I'm told that I'm a racist. I'm told I'm a white supremacist. I've never been a racist. I've never been a white supremacist. Those, it doesn't even compute to me. And yet, we're stuck in this situation where we are being further and further divided based off of politics and based off of religion. I would strongly agree with that. And I actually, you and I have had a lot of political discussions even before we started you know, sitting down and doing this podcast. And we never walk away from it mad at each other. No. I, I mean, I, I think the key to talking about those things, people are afraid to talk about those things because they don't want to have any sort of disagreement or argument. But oftentimes it's not an argument. It's just political discourse or a discussion about what you believe in. And I think what's really important is that that is being able to understand what drives a person to do what they do. Yep. Why do you do that, right? What is what is the passion behind what drives you? You know, and, I, and for the record, I mean, I, I'm just going to put this out there. I have never thought you were racist. I have never thought that you were mansplaining to me. In fact, I think we've had a lot of really good open conversations that you may not understand something or I may not understand something, but we can always come to the table on it. Absolutely. I mean, certainly I might be crankier. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy being able to have those conversations because I learn something new. Every single time. You know, this is one one of the aspects that I vehemently – disagreed with Donald Trump on <laughs> is the fact that he always wanted to be the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. The How I was raised is I was told if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. Yep. That you can learn something from everybody. Even if it's as simple as what not to do, you can learn something from everybody. And the fact that he, and again, this is where he's egot- egotistical and everything else that people talk about. With me, I want to be able to learn something. I want to be able to to have those conversations that people aren't willing to have. And this is why I guess it's so frustrating, not only that we didn't have a guest on today, but it's the fact that I I was looking forward to somebody that would have a different political view than I do, and being able to engage in that and have some good discord and being able to actually potentially learn something. I, I would agree with that. I, I mean, I you know, unfortunately, I think it does come down to a lot of this whole idea of cancel culture, and people are concerned that their image is going to represent something about them that they're either uncomfortable with or that it might be the opposite of, of what they represented themselves of as like 10 years ago. Yeah, and the other aspect of it is they can also be fearful of – what if I go on a podcast or what if I go and have that conversation and I'm wrong? And when, and when you get to the point that you're talking politics and religion, 
in this day and age, it seems that those two have gotten closer and closer. But you have somebody who their political viewpoints is their being. Right. It's, you know, especially if they've gone out to the protests, they've gone out and they canvassed for a, a particular candidate. And depending on what they did, how engaged that they were, if all of a sudden you look at them or you bring up a discussion and you're in the middle of that topic and you have that realization of, I think I'm wrong. I mean, that and happened to when, me a couple weeks ago on the podcast. Yeah. And when that's a core value, then all of a sudden you start questioning not only that particular topic, but you start questioning everything. And there is I, that is the core point of where people are afraid to actually sit down because what if I may be wrong? Well, and maybe not even what if I'm wrong, but what if the things that I have built my political belief system on, what if the things that... I have held dear to my heart are different or I, I gain a new understanding of that, then I have to totally shift what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, I, I would concur with that, Alex. I, um, I think it is frustrating. You know, that that's always when we have to sort of put out that call to like-minded people, at least in the sense of you're willing to sit down and have that conversation. Well, and this is one of the things that we have talked about in weeks past as far as what COVID did to us. Yeah. Oh. Is – social media, I think social media, it's fantastic and also are the worst thing that could have ever happened to us, mm -hmm. is the fact that we're, we're, because of the algorithms, we're stuck in these in these echo chambers. Yep, in our confirmation bubble. Correct. And then with COVID, now that played out in real life. Yep. And so we saw our echo chambers that we were a part of on social media, and then immediately we now started to see them play out in real life. And so now it's even more to the point of if I look at this, this is, this is who I am. And if somebody I'm having a conversation with somebody else and all of a sudden I realize I'm wrong or I realize, huh, I never thought of it that way. And it changes your entire thought process on it. And then you start going back to those echo chambers and you're like, what happened to this situation? What happened to this scenario? And am I wrong? Well, I think actually what you're describing is exactly the process of how this QAnon stuff happened. And we don't have to go into the QAnon thing, but I've listened to a couple of different um, stories about how people became heavily involved and indoctrinated into the QAnon movement. Oh, yeah. Because that's all that they were hearing. Yeah. And family members were saying, like, wait, wait, wait what are you doing? This is very cultish. It's, it's very scary. And they are getting their gratification from those environments and from those groups of people that are feeding them that gratification. And that is exactly that bubble. It's your confirmation bubble. Yeah. So I, I don't, it's very frustrating. <laughs> Did you ever see the, uh, the QAnon documentary series on HBO? No. I highly cool. recommend it because it does, me. it gives a different perspective. It was very well done. And whether you agree with it or not, it's definitely well worth the watch just to get some different perspective. I, I'm always I, – I listen to a lot of different podcasts. I watch documentaries. I, I read as many news sources as possible. I, I don't like the big news sources because I feel like the, you can't ever really tell what's slanted towards one side or the other. I mean, you know, paying attention to those big, big letters – <laughs> <laughs> you know, can put you in a pretty dangerous spot, I yeah. think. And it's so easy for people to just fall into that. And that's their only source of news. And that's what they're hearing all the time. And then, and then you do develop that fear that 
something really bad is going to happen or that it's already happening. Yeah. That's it. That is terrifying. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the uh, Facebook announcement? I saw that. So Facebook is no longer, <laughs> no longer banning any posts that say that COVID was man-made. So that came out probably after the Washington Post published the whole thing about Biden ordering the intelligent community to redouble efforts to determine the origin of the coronavirus. Correct. Interesting. So, it, again, we don't have enough sources on it right now. Not at all. But no. it's looking at all of this, it at least should give you pause and should state, okay, what actually happened? And I mean, Yeah. And looking at, I mean, again, I don't want to sit here and rehash everything that we've talked we about before. We don't need to, yeah. Uh, we've already done that. But you look at Fauci. You look at a lot of, even locally with our local health departments, mm-hmm. and all of the misinformation and how everything's put out there. I mean, even to the point now with the vaccine that uh, the people that wanted the vaccine got the vaccine or got at least the first shot and they're waiting on their second shot. And now Colorado has come out and said, hey, if you get your shot within this certain time period, you can re- be registered to win one of five uh, one of five million dollar prizes. So five one million dollar prizes. And you go, the fact that you have to have the incentive out there now to still continue to have people get vaccinated. I don't know. Well, if it's <laughs> all, if it, hopefully, <laughs> I don't, hopefully I win. Um, <laughs> no, but it, it is, it, of course, to incentivize the vaccine because that's what we have to do now. And, and people who don't want to get it aren't going to get it. But maybe somebody that was on the fence would decide to get it. Um, they're calling it the Colorado Comeback Cash, which um, it would be nice to see somebody who really needed that to get that. Um, But it's, yeah, anybody who's 18 and up and vaccinated and they're pulling it from the very beginning. So from the very beginning of starting vaccination. So at this point, anybody that has received it, and I think it's by June, I don't know, maybe end of June or something, they're going to start drawing like June, July. So Hmm. a lot of other states are doing that too. A lot of other states are. So. Um, okay, so I want to touch on a story that we did last week. Yes, this um, is on the Johnstown Milliken superintendent that was let go. Yes, um, okay. Leslie Arnold, the former superintendent who was terminated. Um, we use a specific term. So um, we have a lot of information coming in on that, and I, I just want to touch on it. Um, we are doing a ton of research, and we have several really, really good resources, but I like to do, and kind of our <laughs> standard rule is, five or six different sources on this. Yep. So we need to find some more sources. I'm hoping to find some people to talk to about it as well. Well, and we appreciate <coughs> our listeners because not only was this uh, a listener suggest- uh, suggestion uh, as far as the story itself yes. last week, but then some of the resources that have been coming into us have been through our listeners. And yeah. so we greatly appreciate that. And again, if you are listening and you have any stories that you think that we should cover, definitely reach out to us either on Facebook mes- Messenger or Email us at the native dot the transplant at gmail.com. Yeah, and for the ones who have uh, sent some emails so far, thank you so much because some of the resources and sources we're getting on this story are really, really good. Um, we just haven't had a chance to really dig through it. So I, I want to do well, diligence become, on it. <laughs> it's become a bigger story than I originally thought. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah I would concur with that. Um, but yeah, I, and that'll be probably next week or the week after as soon as we start really being yep. able to. But I just wanted to update everybody on that. Um, so another thing I wanted to talk about, okay. pretty cool uh, development, actually just a couple hours ago, uh, the Northern Colorado Drug Task Force, which is a, you know, agencies from 
Fort Collins, Loveland, Greeley, Longmont, all over northern Colorado had a major, major bust today. Um, they busted a major drug trafficking organization. Let me read you what they took. Well, and there were, what, six people <coughs> arrested? Well, there were 12 people that were arrested in addition to those six. So there were six okay. major key players and then 12 additional people arrested. All their mugshots are on all over social media. So yeah. um, I didn't recognize anybody as, like, big names or anything like that, so that's good news. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what they seized was, ready for the list, 4,500 fentanyl pills, 12 pounds of methamphetamines, uh, 22 firearms, three explosive devices, um, greater than $50,000 of stolen property and um, known stolen property, and then over $10,000 of potential not identified stolen property, heroin, cocaine, mushrooms, credit card counterfeiting equipment, and narcotics distribution equipment. So it was just a party. I mean, <laughs> okay, but this is huge. The yeah. opioid task force, I mean, I, I don't know if you're aware of how serious the opioid epidemic is. Oh, absolutely. In the country, right? Yeah. Um, but that is a major it's bust. worse. Uh, so much worse. And a lot of that, I think, comes from um, how pain management was. Yeah. We changed how we did that. You know, the, the physicians are changing how they're treating pain, all of those. And we have some really great uh, medication-assistant treatment programs. Uh, and, and there are some really cool organizations coming up that are forming and really, really answering this problem. But it is a major epidemic. Yeah. I mean, you probably know somebody or you're one person removed away from somebody that is addicted to opiates. And that doesn't mean heroin. That means, you know, pain medications. Oxycontin. Uh, all kinds of stuff. Vicodin, that sort of stuff. And, yeah, yeah, it's I've got friends and friends of friends that they went in for broken arm, broken leg, something along those lines. And, um, you know, they started taking the pain pills to manage the pain. And then that's how they became addicted. It wasn't it wasn't your have or, <laughs> it, you know, it wasn't somebody that was out there searching for this yeah. or trying it at a party. It's, no, I had this happen, and this was pain management, and then now you go through the addiction process, and now how do you get off of it? Well, and the addiction process can start within, like, three to five days. Yeah. I mean, it's a quick process, and it's really, really scary. So I, I that's a phenomenal bust. I mean, you know, I, it, it's my understanding that a lot of local agencies came together for that bust, and that is yeah. incredible. So thrilled about that one. That's great. Okay. You want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, it, it's changing a little bit because of uh, the lack of guests that we had. So that's one of the things that we were planning for on the show. So some of the stuff that we're going to talk about is not necessarily local, but still touching base on some local issues. One of them that I'm going to talk about mm -hmm. today, abortion. Yep, here we go. <laughs> here we go. So looking at abortion, a lot of people look at me and they're like, you're a white guy. Now, hold on. Let me back you up for just okay. a second. What actually prompted you to think about that subject? Because there was something that happened in Texas. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Governor Greg Abbott signed a abortion <laughs> ban bill that bans any abortions after six weeks mm -hmm. and actually puts in place um, certain punishments for any woman who tries to get an abortion after six weeks. For the women. For the women. So the Colorado bill that they were trying to get to pass last year actually put in punishment for the providers. Correct. Performing those abortions, not the person that had to get the abortion. Correct. Okay, continue. 
Yeah. And looking at that, and that's that is one of the reasons why I stepped away from the Republican Party mm-hmm. is the viewpoints on abortion. And this is I'm going to go into some personal stuff. And if you wa- watch my campaign, I talked about it a little bit. A lot of people look at me and they say, you're, you're a guy. How do you know or how do you say anything about abortion? You, you don't know. You don't understand. And with my daughter, everything changed. Mm-hmm, big uh, time. <laughs> um, the highest chance of survivability that we, my wife and I, were ever given for our daughter was one-tenth of one percent. One-tenth of one percent and less than 0.2 percent that she wouldn't have major deficits. Yes. And so we had to have the conversation. We had to look at it and go, okay, what are we going to do? My wife had complications. We had a child that we were told three times by our doctor that our choices were to either abort or go home and wait for the heart to stop beating. Mm-hmm. And luckily, we, we didn't want to make that decision yet. And so we got a second opinion. It was at that point in time that our second opinion uh, said to my wife, all right, you're, you're going on bed rest. Let's see if we can actually put some weight on this kid and see what can happen. And uh, luckily enough, she's a, a beautiful nine-year-old girl she's now. She's awesome. And she's a, a wonderful kid. Um, she's one of my favorite humans on the planet, for the <laughs> record. I just love that little girl. But looking at everything that we went through on that, and even with my wife with her complications, with the group – literally the group of doctors and nurses down at University Hospital that brought brought our baby girl into this world and did everything in their power to be able to make sure that she was able to be here. And then you start having these topics, or not topics, having these discussions about abortion. With the abortion, and I think a lot of people, and this is going to backtrack a little bit, is dealing with the pendulum swing. The political pendulum swing. And this is something that we saw. We really saw, especially 80s, 90s, early 2000s, we saw the pendulum swing every two to four years. Yeah. And it wasn't something that we saw on a daily basis. Definitely it wasn't something that we saw on a weekly or even a monthly basis. I think this that really started to change when New York passed their abortion bill. Correct. And the abortion bill that they passed, it wasn't necessarily the bill because it didn't it didn't have a whole lot more than what the Colorado abortion bill has in it that was passed in, in the early 2000s. And part of the reason why I bring this up is because when we were going through everything, my wife and I were going through everything, the fact that we were able to have the discussion, it was my wife, myself, and our team of doctors that were around us that made the decisions. We didn't have the heavy hand of government Correct. in the room with us. But with that New York abortion bill, that one, it was when they celebrated it. Mm-hmm. It was when they lit up the Empire State Building and people were in the streets celebrating that abortion bill that it turned so many people off. So lay out what that abortion bill was for me. Uh, it So that abortion bill pretty much made it legal to full term that you could have an abortion. Now, this is what the people on the right will always say – you know, there's a couple, there's a handful of celebrities that have come out, and especially after the inauguration with Trump, um, that were proud about their abortions. I don't, 
that's a part that I don't agree with. I can't understand. But they were actively promoting abortion. I don't think that that should ever be the case. But I look at it from a standpoint of less than 1% of abortions take place in the second and third trimester. Actual abortions. Correct. The frustration that I have is with how different states label abortions. Mm-hmm. So in, <laughs> I don't know if this is the case in Colorado, but I know in some states that if uh, our daughter would have died in utero and then you still have to go through the delivery. You do. They classify that as an abortion. Um, it can be spontaneous, correct. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure, you know, obviously it was not an intentional, but yeah, it is considered an abortion. And so even based off of those numbers, 4.3% of abortions take place in the second trimester. 1.3% of them take place in the third trimester. This is where I have an issue with the conversation that takes place about abortions. Is the fact of how they're labeled, but then in addition to it, of the fact of, you know, you're female. Correct. You can give birth. You've Correct. given birth. I have a couple <laughs> times. Yeah. Would you carry a child into the third trimester and then abort it? No. However. How many women do you think would do that process? I don't think the number is as big as everybody, you know, these anti-abortion groups mm-hmm. want you to believe. And in fact, we, I looked up the statistics before we started today and it actually ends up that it's only, it's less than 1% of all abortions are in, are considered late trimester or late, late pregnancy. Late yeah, yeah. I think third trimester kind of late term. And a lot of that, that's a fear mongering tactic for, I believe, the right wing conservative religious people that want to make abortion a really fearful thing. Um, and I'm not saying it's a good thing. I, I am, I would say there's a very, very gray area in there for me because I, I don't believe in abortion for myself. I, I, I think it's really sad when somebody has to do that. And I think that, um, it's, nobody wants to do that. And this is this is part of the reason why I wanted to bring up this topic is yeah. because one people don't really want to talk about it, and it's if they do talk about it, it's uncomfortable and it's very divided. And people become angry very quickly. Correct. It's very either quickly. abortion. There's some of it, and this is where you kind of stand. And I can understand the thought process. So you have uh, Ben Shapiro, where I've listened to him talk about abortion, and he comes at it from a very scientific aspect of moment of conception. If you talk to any biology professor or anything of that sort, they're going to say the, the point of conception. Correct. Yeah, that would because, be, yeah. And his argument always goes that after the point of conception, then you look at it as far as, okay, what is the viability and how is that going to play out with anybody who is living today? Correct. You know, he got into a, a discussion with somebody who said, you know, a sentient being. Well, at that point in time, if someone's in a coma, what do you do with that? And how does it correlate to people that are living versus in utero right i understand that thought process to it but it this is a topic that is very gray and it's something that we need to have the actual discussion of i don't think that an abortion should be a a first or a second or a third option it is a last case option it's a last case resort but i also look at it from a standpoint of why is it that all of these Republican, in particular the Republican side of the aisle. Big time. They're willing to do uh, these abortion ban bills 
but they aren't willing to come to the table and say, hey, what can we do to make abortion the option of last resort? Right, because there's a lot that we can do. Where? Why isn't there a proposal in Texas? Why isn't there a proposal when they're trying to get the abortion bill on the ballot in Colorado? Why isn't there one about adoption reform? Or how about health care? Health care reform. And you also look at it from a standpoint of the stuff that people don't want to talk about as far as sex education. Big time. They don't want to talk to their kids about it. And they don't want anybody else talking to them about it. Correct. And so this is where we have to come together as a society and say, hey, I want the abortion to be the absolute worst case scenario. Right. Last option. If somebody is going through that situation and they have to experience that, you know, it's we hear all about Planned Parenthood. And you look at what Planned Parenthood does. And I know I have quite a few friends that the reason why they found out they had breast cancer. Testicular cancer. Was because of Planned Parenthood. Cervical cancer. If you have such an issue with Planned Parenthood with with the abortions, why haven't you proposed something to counteract Planned Parenthood? Less why haven't than, you come to the table yeah. with something other than Planned Parenthood? Less than 2% of all services provided by Planned Parenthood are abortion services. It's not a huge number. And I personally, I, I don't want to financially support abortion because I, I just, it doesn't feel right to me, if that makes sense. Yeah. But here's the thing. You can't cut off that kind of service to somebody or we go back-to-back -back alley abortions. It is, <clears throat> I mean, of course I'm going to come from the woman's side because. That's fine. It, That's why know, we're having this conversation. Well, and I, I would categorize myself as pro-choice because I just don't think that we can cut that off. The thing, the thing about it is, is you can come in with your religious beliefs, but you can't, you don't have the right to press that on somebody else. Looking at, so recently, uh, the Planned Parenthood up in Fort Collins has had quite a few people that have been protesting out in front of it. They usually do. It's pro yeah. I, I think I've seen them out there for 20 years. <laughs> I've asked them a couple of times, and this is really last year when I was doing my campaign, doing all of that stuff. And I went up to him. I said, okay, fantastic. You, you're, you're protesting something that you disagree with. How many of these women have you offered to say, hey, if you don't want to abort that child, I'll support you for the next 18 years. I'll right. help support you. Or I'm willing to adopt your child. When you have these protesters that are out there saying, you can't do this. You, it doesn't matter what the case was, it's what the wrong. scenario was. It's yeah. absolutely wrong, and you can't do this. And you're going to scream at somebody, especially you're going to scream. Hypothetically, you're screaming at a 19-year-old girl that's in college that, that tried or used a condom, used oh birth gosh. control, and got pregnant still. That's at the most vulnerable stage. People do not walk in there for an abortion because they want to. And you're now at the point I mean, where you are confronting this person. Yeah. And instead of being a person that is loving and kind and saying, hey, let me grab a cup of coffee with you and find out what's going on and see if there's another way that I can help and actually try to be the good in that person's life as they're going through hell. Yeah. But no, we don't have that. And that's, this is where I get so frustrated with everything that is going on when you try to have that conversation about abortion is if you don't agree with it, fantastic. Fine. 
I don't, you know, if you don't agree with it, that's perfectly fine. You have every right to believe that. But if you have somebody that is going in there, that they are at their wits end. It's just what the exact same thing that I felt with my wife when we're at this point that we wanted to have our child. And now we're stuck in a situation where we are having to have an honest to God conversation about having to go through an abortion because it will save my wife's life. Correct. And that was up until darn near the moment of delivery. Correct. I mean, until she was on the ground. Yeah. And, and and you know what, Alex? Here's here's the thing. The problem is is that people get stuck in their that their belief system is right, and that they have the right to impose that on somebody else. And the thing about that is, and and I I am really very I I don't think that abortion should be the last resort. It makes me so sad to think of people that make that decision because not because I'm upset at their decision, but because I'm sad for them that they had that, that's how bad things were because we don't walk in their shoes. I have no idea what somebody in in an inner city that maybe already has two kids and knows they can't feed a third one or they were put in a bad situation and, and now they genuinely, their life is going to be incredibly altered. And I would always, to me, my statement has always been, you know, baby's never a burden except that if there is no other option, it is hard for me to say what I would do in that situation. I've been young. I've been in those situations before. And I've made my choices. But the yep. thing is, the thing is, is it's not. And that that's where I think um, you and I have talked about this previously. But I want you to talk a little bit about where the problem with that is. Because what we're doing yep. is we're imposing religious belief onto political issues. Yeah. So, and. Before we we dive into that, do you know what almost I mean pretty much cut our abortion rates in America in half? Well, it was it was healthcare paying for birth control. Yeah, it was do the you Affordable know, Care Act. I got to tell you something. When I was I was a sophomore in high school or in college, I'm sorry, and I actually wrote a paper about why health insurance companies should be paying for birth control, and my college instructor told me it was not a relevant subject it would never be a relevant subject and i needed to write a paper on something else i have a friend that has pcos yeah and easiest (laughs) the easiest medication and cheapest cheapest medication that you can give a a woman that has pcos is birth control hormone replacement yep it's the cheapest easiest way and it's the most available yeah i mean so so you you were just talking about um Good, affordable access to birth control significantly lowers abortion rates. But the religious right will have you believe that it is a sin to take birth control. Yeah. Well, and a lot of that is, is it truly stems from population. It's It stems from, yeah. you know, the Catholic Church, the Mormon Church, any of that. It's to multiply. Right. And I mean, so I, I can understand that, and I'm not saying that if somebody has those religious viewpoints that there's anything wrong with that. But right. that's where it, it gets to, I think, the core of a lot of these issues. Separation of church and state. Yes. Separation of church and state is not in our founding documents, but it was put in pretty close after. Separation of church and state is so important, but also so misunderstood. 
is because when you people when you hear that talked about, mm-hmm. people immediately think separation of church and state is literally the separation of religion and politics. Which it's not. No, it's separation of the individual versus we as a whole, collective. So it's the separation of church and state is you as an individual, you have a right to believe what you want to believe. You have a right to follow the rules and the laws that you choose to live by personally. Of course, always with the exception that if you break a law, then you are going to have consequences for that. Correct. And so we, we as a collective, we as a nation, decide on certain laws and that we're all going to follow. You aren't going to kill each other. You aren't going to steal from each other. You aren't going to burn somebody's building down. It's kind of all laws that we can agree on. You as an individual, now I'm going to throw this off a little bit because a lot of people want to hit just religion. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Christian, if you're a Muslim, if you're Hindu, Buddhist, anything of those things, that they don't want those beliefs put on everybody. If you're vegan, if you're vegan and you choose to live a vegan lifestyle, fantastic, more power to you that you, that is the way that you want to live your, your life. It's your belief system. It's your belief system. But you cannot force your vegan belief system on everybody in the nation. Right. And same thing with, I mean, COVID has gotten to the point of religious viewpoints. Mm-hmm. Climate change. I know we aren't going to dive into that Not one today. today. Not today. <laughs> but no. has gotten to a point of a religious viewpoint. There are people that are so into that that you look at the way they live. It's a, it's their doctrine. It's it's w- their their belief system. It's like flat earthers, or you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna hit that one. Oh um, man, <laughs> I, I'm, I can't wait to see the comments that come out of this episode. Oh gosh, I can't wait. Uh, no, but I mean, I, I see what you're saying. You're saying that essentially, you know, religion or your eating styles, or if you do CrossFit, because um, <laughs> if you do CrossFit, everybody's gonna know. Yeah, the first rule of CrossFit is tell everyone about CrossFit. Yeah, exactly. But no, the idea and, and what you're saying is just to clarify is that essentially that's your belief system and that really shouldn't be wrapped up into a political stance. Not ne- not necessarily a political stance because your religion, your the, the beliefs that you choose to hold and the rules and laws that you choose to follow based off of your own belief systems can very much have an impact on the collective. You know, thou shalt not kill. Sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's a very religious standpoint that is also something that we can all agree on that should be law. Correct. Our moral compass says that murder is wrong. Correct. But it's the aspects of if you're vegan, if you're following, if you're keto, you know, something along those lines, and you want to live that lifestyle, there's nothing wrong with that. But you can't impose that onto everybody else. Well, you're kind of getting to... The very base of what our country is founded on. It's supposed to be limited government. Yeah. I mean, but the religious freedom idea is that I'm not going to impose. I have the right to my religious freedom, and I'm not going to impose that on somebody else. And politics should not be involved with that. No. I mean, I just – I – wholeheartedly agree with you on that, and especially when you go back to kind of the abortion issue and and just to sort of bring that back to it. Um, Going back to that abortion issue – I just don't think that I want the government making that decision for me. It's kind of like the the gay marriage thing. Yeah. Stay out of my bedroom, man. 
That doesn't have anything to do with politics. That would have been <laughs> – the Republican Party would have been in power for the last 12 years is if prior to the 2008 election, if the Republican Party would have come out and said, hey, we don't agree with gay marriage. We don't agree with it. It's, it's against our religious views. But w at that point in time would have come out and said, we don't think the government should be involved in any marriage. Correct. But if it's involved in any marriage, then a marriage should be between two consenting adults of legal age. That right there. That's as simple right as it should have been, is two consenting <laughs> adults of legal age. And then at that point in time, the LGBTQ plus community right now, they're fighting because there's some pedophile groups yeah. that are trying to lump themselves in with the LGBTQ plus community. Correct. I think we can all agree that nobody wants pedophiles in that community at no. all. But there's you can leave now, you know? Correct. But we also have a situation where I believe it's in 24 states. I'll need to double-check that, that statistic because uh, that is from a few years ago, that allow marriage as young as the age of 14 mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. parental consent. And so yeah, if they would have, in 2007, 2008, would have just come to the table and said, you know, we don't agree with it, but if the government's going to have any control in marriage at all, then it should be between two Consenting adults. Of legal age. Of legal age. And that should, I, I personally believe that should be at 18. Yes. You know, I mean, you can fight for your country, you can get married. And at that point in time, it would have changed the entire <laughs> dynamic. But now you have so many people where, even back then, a lot of the people, uh, then candidate Obama, believed that marriage was between a man and a woman it wasn't until Correct. about four years later that he changed his stance well on now it. do you think he believed that or do you think that was a stance that he had because he knew that if he said something otherwise that he would not have been elected i don't know and i i think I don't know. you know there has been a shift in this country and i i think you'll probably agree with this you know we have a lot of the younger generations our generation is kind of like so what do what you want to do i don't i'm not going to pay for it do it as a consenting legal adult Go. Yeah. And it's not my business. I just, I, I mean, it, what what is our business, though? I will say this. What is our business is to, to stand up for that and to say that, especially, like, you know, with your LGBTQ plus communities mm -hmm. and saying, you know, that's not a right that I'm going to take away from any individual. You know what I mean? And well, yeah. and I, I would even, even going back to the abortion subject, I do not believe in abortion. I think it's a horrible, horrible, terrible thing. I think it's really sad. But there are instances where it is necessary. And there are instances that aren't any of my business. Yeah. And that right there, I think, is the crux of the issue. Just like you said, if the Republican Party had just stepped out and said, that's not our business. I mean, there seems to, it's it's their cross to bear, I guess. And and the fact that we're still fighting on some of these stuff, some of these items that you just, you have to take, take a step back and you try to figure out, okay, what is the point and purpose? And if I choose to live and die on this hill, what good am i doing if i if you're telling two gay guys that they can't get married how is it affecting your life exactly is it because you don't want to have the uncomfortable conversation with your kids of why two guys are holding hands well i think that to some extent there would always be that that argument of the sanctity of marriage except you know when when the old white guy is arguing that and he's already had three divorces <laughs> I have a really hard time yeah. giving a crap what he thinks. I, I'm going to be totally straightforward. Yeah, and at that point in time, now, with with the viewpoint that I have as far as gay marriage is concerned, and again, it's been legal for 
six years now, and yet we're still having this conversation? Of course, because it was a, it was a major upset in the political world. But you look at it from the political side of things. I don't think politics, I don't think that government should have any say in any marriage, period. Agreed. But the moment that they do, then that's where marriage needs to be legal across the board. Yep. But I also, at that same instance, if if you're a part of the Catholic Church or the uh, Christian Church or something along those lines, and your pastor does not want to do gay marriages, fine. That is your prerogative in the religion that you follow. Well, yeah. It's, that's where I look at it from the difference, and this is, again, where I go back to the separation of church and state, is I don't think the government should force a church to say, you have to now perform gay marriages. At all. I don't think that a church should be forced to do that if it goes against their religious beliefs. But at that point in time, if you have, you can't tell a gay, lesbian couple, whatever it may be, that you can't then go to a ranch and get married. And the yep. legal document that is filed with the state, it doesn't matter who those two names are. It doesn't, right. I mean, I think that's a slippery slope, Alex, as far as Absolutely. that kind of thing. And I, I'm not sure that I have really, I don't know that I have an opinion on that piece of it there. Because I think that, you know, I mean, it's kind of like the bakery that chose not to make that cake. Yeah, that's that's here local in Colorado. It is. And... and with that, it's it's art, and that's kind of the that went all the way to the Supreme Court. And I was quite frustrated with Governor Polis how they tried to attack him again at that particular bakery, and then it was thrown out because he had gone to the Supreme Court. But I agree with the ruling. It's the same thing where if you're a photographer and you don't want to photograph gay marriage, okay. That's fine. Right. I mean, it's a really narrow view of the world, but if that's how you choose to do it, that's that's your prerogative. I mean, And at that point in time, it's the same prerogative that if somebody lambasts you on Reddit and says, no, I wouldn't go to use this person because of this reason, you don't really have much to stand on. Correct. And yeah, so you, you can't. Yeah. But also on the flip side, you're going to have other people that believe like you believe that are going to use your products and services. Well, and I suppose if that's the, the narrow viewpoint of the world that people want to exist in, go right ahead. You yeah. know, it, 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 that's fine. I, I think it's really sad that they would choose to exist in that place. But, uh, I mean. But, I, again, yeah. that's where the separation of church and state and the separation of the mm -hmm. individual versus we as a whole, as, as a nation. This is why it is so vitally important that people start to understand this because I know just as many people just – <laughs> just as the baker mm -hmm. that if at that point in time if the the roles are reversed if the roles are reversed and you have a gay baker that only wants to bake cakes for gay weddings fantastic heck yeah and at that point in time the exact same argument of there's a half a dozen That's bakeries choice to right down the road <laughs> that you can go and buy the cake from sure well i i think the biggest issue with that is that is that you're going to have people and I'm I'm going to use this as an example, but I'm not saying it would strictly be you know the conservative yeah. right. But you're going to have the people that say, well, but if my church doesn't allow for gay marriage, no nobody else can, and that's where you're going to have the pushback on that. And I, I tend to think that that is a lot of our older generation, and I I think it's because nobody talked about being gay. You had a gay uncle that was a confirmed bachelor and that was his roommate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think it's a, that, that is a, a huge shift in. 
Absolutely. our country, and or I, really the world. I can understand some of some of the some of the conversations that are taking place right now, especially when you talk about going back to the abortion, talking about sex education. Yeah, there needs to be a limit of when you start having those conversations. Do I believe that my third grader needs to learn about sex education? No. no. I don't know. I talked to my kids about sex when they were like five. I do, but it's a different it's a different manner. A different manner. This is not the charts and graphs and pictures and things. It's, Correct. It's yeah. You know, we've got <coughs> I've got a, a member of the LGBTQ community that is in my family. Yeah. And so, because of that, I had to have that conversation with my daughter and explain the situation, explain everything that that went on with it. And but I was able to control that conversation. Yeah. I was able to have that conversation and give her enough information that it made sense. But when you're talking about full-blown sex education, it doesn't need to be in elementary school. No, I would say fifth or sixth grade is probably a reasonable time, I think. Kids' hormones are changing. They're starting to ask questions. You know, that's that's when that's probably pretty appropriate. But small kids, of course, there's always the, well, what do you think <laughs> question, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but I, I would concur with that. I I tend to think, though, that to some extent, how you empower your children not to have to do things like because I mean I would I would really categorize having an abortion is a have to that that individual feels as though they have to do that or their life will be drastically altered to the point of no return. I, I just don't think anybody ever goes into that thinking this will be fun. And you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's that's where we need to change the dialogue on it. Yes, and. We need to be honest with each other. Oh, Lord, that's the the entire, every single thing we've talked about today. The whole, that is the exact, drill it down right to the very problem. Yes, and part of the the conversation that's happening with abortion, and you may disagree with me on this, need to flat out say, abortion's killing a kid. Um, and I, have I, that is what this. That is what it is. That's. I, I mean, it's stop with the. It's just a lump of cells. It's just this. It's just. That. Oh, I do it's hate that. All narrative. of the the BS that surrounds it in the current conversation is, is abortion. Let's be honest with each other. We're all adults. Let's be honest with each other and understand that having an abortion is killing a kid. I mean, that would be my opinion. I can't say that somebody else listening would agree with that, but that's my opinion. Once we can actually have that conversation and understand what that is, then all of a sudden it changes the conversation. Correct. Because now at that point in time, it's going back to the reason. It's going back to, okay, why is this person in the situation where they need to make that decision of last resort? Well, see, we're going to disagree on that a little bit. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you. I think when you, when you get there, that's opening a can of worms. I don't need to know the reason. Okay, I understand your point of view on that. What I, I guess what I was talking about is that it changes, it changes the discussion to finding a better solution. Correct. When you can have that, then you figure out, okay, why is this person making this decision? And if it is financial, okay, is there an opportunity that we can look – if the uh, opportunity presented itself, that they can look at adoption If instead. resources were available. Correct. And they really wanted to have that child – because of whatever religious reasons or personal reasons they wanted, even if they needed financial support to have that child. And so that's that's where I'm coming from at it as far as the reasoning behind it. Because now that's when we can figure out the solutions as far as just instead of banning abortions. Yeah. 
let's actually truly make it so abortions are, as in the 90s, what President Bill Clinton told us is safe, legal, and rare. Correct. If they're safe, legal, and rare, rare is the part that we need to work on. I would agree. And it's the fact of being able to come to the table and say, hey, we need to all understand exactly what's taking place here. Even if you don't want to admit it yourself, we need to come to the table and admit exactly what is taking place here. Then be able to figure out and say, okay, do we need to work on adoption reform? Do we well, need to work on uh, on birth control? Do we need to work on some other aspect that will lower these numbers on this side. So I want to be really clear about this yep. because I understand what you're saying. And I just want to make sure our viewers understand that you're not saying that you're going to, that conversation needs to happen between somebody and the person seeking the abortion. No, this is no <laughs> this on is a higher <laughs> level of how do we make them safe, legal, and rare? Because we know that having good access to birth control, especially with the health, you know, the affordable health care, all of those things, cut abortion numbers down significantly, Yeah. right? So I, I just wanted to make sure that it was really clear because I know that's what you're saying. Yeah, um, this is the discussion that needs to be taking place within the federal level, yep. the state level, yep. and the local level is figuring out, okay, if you, don't, if you don't like how it's being looked at right now, then what are some solutions that we can bring to right. the table to be able to deal with this? Well, and the, the reason I wanted to clarify that, Alex, is because I, honestly – I've, I've never had an abortion. I've never even sought out an abortion. However, there's this little thing that happens when you go into an abortion clinic and you have to, you've asked for an abortion. You know, you have to watch, you have to have an ultrasound mm -hmm. and see the heartbeat or whatever is, you know, whatever stage you're at, all of those things. You have to see that thing. You have to see the child mm -hmm. in your stomach, okay? And they make you do that because... Religious right groups wanted people to have to see that so that they might change their minds. And I am just going to throw this out there. I think that's horrible. I think it's terrible. Somebody that is at their last resort and has finally, okay, this is what I'm going to have to do, all right? They have to go in and they have to do that. And I think that that is emotional blackmail. And I could not even begin to give you statistics of somebody that changed their mind. I have no idea. And I, I would, of course... You know, I, like I said, it's a baby, and I believe that. Mm -hmm. But that person at that point in their life may not even be able to connect to that being a child. And I feel like that conversation doesn't happen with the person that seeks out the abortion. Rather, the conversation happens before it even has – that person even has the option. Yeah. Or not even the option. They're at that last place. They're, they, they're at their last resort already. They're not – people don't use this. You know, there's always the argument of women using it as birth control. That's just not the case. It's it, maybe a one-off, okay? But it's just not the case. And I think that doing that to somebody is a really horrible thing. I, that's just my well, opinion. Well, if I can stop you real, real mm -hmm. quick because you, you bring up a valid point, and this is where the fear-mongering takes yeah. place is everybody's talking about, oh, people just use, women just use abortions as birth control. Yeah. Maybe, I, I don't even know the statistics on that, but I imagine that they are minuscule. It's just not, right, that's such a And so this is where, again, why I, <laughs> why I wanted to have the conversation yeah. is this is the conversation that actually needs to be taking place in public, is, okay, I don't agree with abortion. It's something that the fact that my wife and I had to actually sit down and contemplate this 
because we're looking at the survivability of my wife at the same time that we're being told to go home and, and wait for my daughter's heart to stop beating in utero. Oh, I remember. And yeah. being in that position, I've never had migraines, and I had two migraines during that time because of the amount of stress that, that, that w- I was dealing with. And I wasn't even the one carrying the child. My wife was the one that was carrying the child. And you look at that, and this is also the other aspect why I'm, I've asked my wife if I'm, if she's comfortable with me sharing this, our story yeah. is because when you have, especially a guy that's talking about it, most people look at it and say, you have no idea what someone goes through yet. There are an awful lot of guys out there that know exactly well, what it went through. And I think that that's a total dismissal of, of men's ability to emotionally attach, attach yeah. to, to a child. You know that I think Granted, in some instances, of course, the woman is doing that on their own. And I think a lot of instances. But there are, I mean, especially you could say like late-term abortions. The man is probably very heavily involved. Well, and I guess I really can't speak to that percentage. But what I would say is like in your situation, I mean, you guys were making that decision together. They didn't look at your wife and say, what are you going to do? Yeah, we don't care about what his opinion is. And she certainly didn't do that. I mean, that was a, an open, clear discussion between yeah. the two of you. I mean, so, of course, and, it, you know, they always, it's, well, it's until you have a uterus kind of thing. But I just don't know that that's the case. Because I, I would submit that it is also, and ready, I'm going <laughs> to do it. Okay. It's also the men's responsibility to be in protection of women so that if that is what they need to seek out, they have it as safe, affordable, and rare. No. It is also your responsibility. And if that responsibility is going to be put on you, then you should have something to weigh in on that. It takes two people to have a kid. It does. And, I, of course. And that's yeah. that's some of the other conversation that we can have at a later point. Um, but I look at it from a standpoint of men need to step up as well. And I know that the the current dynamic and the current culture that we are in it's very easy to dismiss the man. I would I would agree with that. Do you and know an interesting statistic that you might um, be interested in hearing? Um, did you know that actually pregnancy rates have gone down? Oh yeah. During the pandemic. Yep. You know why? <laughs> there were so many people that were seeking out birth control because they knew they were going to be in quarantine. And we honestly were expecting to see pandemic babies. I made the joke a year ago, like, wow, I wonder how many babies are going to be born nine months from now, you know. Yeah. Uh, but no, it, that have actually gone down because people sought out affordable birth control. Yeah. My hands are in the air and I'm gesturing <laughs> wildly for those of you who can't see me. But that's exactly so that that actually points to a very good um, the idea that if women have access to that. We then have that decision to make. And you know what? If you, I mean, (laughs) there's always that idea that you get to plan your family. That doesn't, I mean, how many, (laughs) I can hear people laughing. Babies happen when babies happen oftentimes. And and that should be a decision, though, that somebody gets to make on their own. Yeah, and I'll I'll throw this out there as well, is uh, (laughs) it'd be interesting to put a lot of these, quote, unquote, old white guys Mm -hmm. in a room. And tell them, okay, we're going to give vasectomies to every male mm-hmm. in the country. Mm-hmm. 
if we want to end abortions, that's a fantastic way to end abortions. And then at that point in time, when you want to have a child, you have it reversed. We're going to fix it real quick, aren't we? <laughs> Again, this is this is where I can understand the women's woman's perspective as far as it's a war on women's rights. Right. And that's why I think that it's so important that we change the conversation to being honest with each other and say, hey, on I think most people Put would it on agree. The table. I think yeah. most people would agree that abortion should be the choice of last resort. Well, it, that that goes back to my original point that it's not like anybody goes into a relationship or, or in a sexual relationship um, saying, you know what, if I get pregnant, I'm gonna have an abortion. People don't. That's not a decision that people put on the. That's not the first card in the deck. You <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like it, it, that's not something that I don't know. And I guess I can't speak for everybody, but. I, I believe that people do not go into that with a poor intent. Yeah. I just, I think it's so sad that we even have to have this conversation because, and I, this, honestly, it really is the oppression of women. <laughs> and I, I know, I know that that has a lot of connotation on it, but unfortunately being is it's, it's not the male's problem or the woman has to make that decision, whatever that is, but it really does come down to that. I mean, I, I think, um, do you know how Planned Parenthood, where Planned Parenthood started? Well, I know the, the, <laughs> the general idea. I, y yes. And, uh, the urban legend kind of stuff. Well, Sanger was not a nice woman. No, not really. <laughs> uh, but I just think, I think that, um, a lot of old white men benefited from it. You're probably not wrong. And I, I just, and I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not trying to attack men. I, I promise, I'm really not. I, I, <laughs> I, it would not, I would not even want to go down that path. But I just think that it has always been a last resort. It just became this sort of like it was, a, you know, the fear mongering of we're delivering nine month babies. We're, you know, it's, it's. Um, women who are using it as birth control, all of those things. And I, I think that, that that is just really sad that that's how it's been talked about. So I would wholeheartedly agree. We've got to put this on the table, and we have to talk about it. Yeah, and it's it's an uncomfortable topic that a it lot is. of people don't want to have the conversation about. But this is something that, especially with this Texas bill that was just signed, yeah, it is going to go to the Supreme Court. And a lot it of is. people are looking at this and going, okay, is this going to overturn Roe v. Wade? What are we actually looking at on all of this? And so this is something that is top of mind that it people is. are going to be saying in the next in the coming year. What are our viewpoints on this? How do we feel about this? And this yeah. is why I, I this is why it was important to have this conversation. Well, I'm really glad that you were willing to have a candid conversation because I think that this is it's hard for me to even talk about. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Um, but. Yeah, I'm glad you're willing to have the conversation because I, I do think that you and I really do stand kind of on the same side of the coin. You know, there's a little teetering back and forth. It's just yeah. the idea is, is we've got to – and that really goes back to what we started out on this podcast. We have to be able to come to the table and talk about issues that we do not agree on because otherwise how do you find out what the other person is thinking? Yeah. Even if you're coming on to talk about it in the sense that you want to figure it out to use it against me <laughs> – bring it on 
You know what I'm saying? Like we can yep. disagree, we can argue, we can do all those things, but in order to find that common ground, and I think that's what's been really frustrating, just like you were saying about how, you know, the pendulum swings. Yep. It feels like it swings one way or the other about every hour. Yeah, and we're seeing this on on not just the topic of abortion. We're seeing this all across the board. On everything. On everything. Is we're seeing this pendulum swing, and that's also why a lot of people are fatigued with politics. That's yeah. why an awful lot of people – and it, when political fatigue sets in, it's not it's not the extremes that get the fatigue. True. It's the middle. It's the people that are just like, I'm sick of this. I'm done. I don't want to pay attention to any of it. And then at that point in time, you have a bunch of people that are in the middle. You know, they may lean one side or the yep. other, but they aren't active. So then at that point in time, they aren't going to be running for the local seats. They aren't going to uh, sit on the local boards. They aren't going to be paying attention to what is going on in their towns, in their cities, in yeah. their states, and ultimately at the federal level. And that that fatigue is what allows the people on the far right and the people on the far left to get their crazy ideas. To run rampant. Correct. Yeah, it's absolutely the truth. And I guess that, that's kind of the call to say, like, don't let it happen. Close off the things that you need to close off. Don't listen to the stuff that is too overwhelming. Because I would say, you know, in the last year we've had to sort of, everybody has had to yep. sort of say, okay, this is too overwhelming. I cannot do that. Yep. I, if you need to leave a, a Facebook group or you need to um, stop being friends with somebody that you just really cannot have a good conversation with or yep. whatever that is. But I think it's at this point that we really have to sit up and say, what's really happening? What do I need to pay attention to? And how can I become involved? Yeah. So, and there are open seats in every town in northern Colorado, every county in northern Colorado. There are active board seats that I would highly encourage you to seek out and to sit on. Be involved. Yeah. Actually run for, you know, run for council, run for <laughs> mayor, run, run for some of these seats and still be involved. And if you don't want to run for a council seat, if you don't want to run for mayor, you don't want to run for some of those more visible seats, still look at a planning commission, yeah. look at a water district commission, look at some of these other aspects, look at a school board commission yeah. and be able to sit on those to still be actively engaged in what is going on within our communities. Yeah, I would concur with that. I think I may be a little too mouthy for that, but uh, <laughs> I'm just teasing. But no, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that, Alex. I, I think, um, you know, you tend to be vocal in some of those arenas. And I, I mean, I think even just with this, I'm pretty vocal about stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah, I agree. That works. All right. So I know that that was a heavy <laughs> topic. Um, let's get on to something a little on the lighter side. Yeah. Beer of the week. Let's talk about beer. <laughs> Man, I liked both of these. Yes. So beer of the week this week, we actually have Wibby Brewing out of Longmont, Colorado. And I've only ever had their beer a handful of times, uh, but we've never had them on the podcast. And so we uh, wanted to bring them on the podcast and just talk about them. Yeah. Um, so Wibby Beer. I'll let you start out, Jen, because you had one that I didn't try, which is the Dunkel. Yeah, so it's the Moondor Dunkel. It is described as velvety, dark, and supple. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> it is creamy. It is chocolatey, but not overwhelming. It is a oh man, it's it's like a 
this is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, and actually, their cans are super cool. Uh, they've got kind of a, a mountain theme to all of them. But it looks like they actually have won, um, won a silver at the Great American Beer Festival on this one. Um, it's Yeah, it's awesome. It, 2017, they won a silver. Awesome. And so then the one that I tried that you did not try because you aren't a big IPA person is I tried their IPA style lager. And so they actually call it the IPL, um, which is just their Wibby IPL. Uh, this one was fantastic. So this is a 7% uh, alcohol by volume. And then their IBU on it is 76. Uh, really enjoyed it. A um, lot of hop flavor, but not overbearing. It's something that you could definitely sit down, have a couple of them, and and just truly enjoy it. And I will, I've got another one of these, and I can't wait to actually pour it into a glass. See what it looks like? Uh, no, not to see what it looks like, to just get the um, get the note on it. Oh, like the As bouquet. far as, because uh, it was very, just even in the can, very aromatic. And mm. I want... I want to actually have it in a glass to where I can really get my beer nose nerd. Into <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And so, and then the one that we both tried, uh, this is the Light Shine Rattler. And um, the Light Shine Rattler, it is, I want to say it's like a shandy. Kind of, yeah. You know, it's got some lemonade in it. It spilled on the floor. <laughs> it's got some lemonade in it. And that's a, the best way that I can describe it is just, it's like a lemon shandy. It is so good. <laughs> I, it actually, so it says refreshing, sweet, and tart. I, I managed to tip that over onto the table there, uh, trying to read the can. Um, it's a 4.5% alcohol by volume with a, uh, yeah. So it is, this is really good. This is the perfect beer that after you get done mowing the lawn, that you just want to sit back on the back porch and just have a couple of beers. Ice cold. <laughs> refreshing. Put it in a sippy cup, lay in a, ha- in a hammock. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is good. Yeah, it's a good Yeah, drink. with you spilling it, you obviously need that sippy cup. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to read the can. <laughs> no, actually, I'm pretty impressed with their beers. Um, was there, there was just the three varieties in the box there? So in the, they did have one more that we didn't try. Should we crack it? Um, I've never had one of these. Is, is that a? So that one that we hadn't tried is the Light Shine Hells. And so with the Light Shine Rattler, I'm wondering if it's similar. So oh, yeah. Why don't you crack that and pour a little in there so we don't waste it if, you know, I'm, I'm not going to drink four <laughs> beers, but that's plenty. So with this one, this is, uh, it just says crisp, clean, and golden. Uh, it's a 5.5. IBU is 22, so real low on the, the IBU on this. Smells like apples. Yeah, that one's just a, a good lager. Yeah, that's really good. Our it's not overwhelming. Hells. Yeah. Hells? Yeah, is that how you say that? It's H E L L E S. Hellas? They're gonna they're gonna tell us. I bet. Oh yes, I imagine <laughs> that we'll get a couple of comments on it. No, we have not. Even though we've had a couple of troubles reading some of this stuff, we haven't been drinking too much. Yeah, I think I'm like a, a total of a <laughs> solid one beer. Um, <laughs> no, this is actually really good though. Um, good clean flavor. It does have kind of a crisp apple smell to it when you get your nose in there. It, that is good. Yeah, I could see it as if you. Uh, are one a person that just drinks the, the Coors Light, Bud Light, that sort of stuff, and you're just dipping your toe into the, the craft brew scene, that would be a one to do it with. Most certainly. Yeah. All right. Well, special thanks to uh, Wibby. Got some pretty good beers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you have not had Wibby um, 
uh, with Evere yet, definitely reach out to them. Go down, visit them in Longmont, or uh, we just even found it in the local liquor store here in Bertha, and um, definitely seek it out. It's definitely worth a try. I think so. Yeah, that yeah, most certainly worth a try. (laughs) So that is the beer of the week. appreciate you guys tuning in and we look forward to being back here next week with you we do have some guests that are coming up and then we also are um I'm believing that next week we'll have everything to go on the story as far as the Johnstown yeah. Millican superintendent I think as long as there's not any major developments but even then I I just need to really give some good time to make sure that the story is thorough so perfect so as always I am your native Alex Johnson and I'm your transplant Jen Bryant We'll see you next week. Take care.